Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Everybody around here, everyone everywhere, knows things are getting more expensive. Food is more expensive. Rent, mortgage, everything. More expensive. That's just the way life is these days. Well, just in case you weren't besieged completely with higher costs, a new report comes out talking about car insurance. And guess what? We in Hamilton pay some of the highest car insurance premiums anywhere in Ontario. And even better, they went up 16% in the last year. Joining me to talk about this, Daniel Ivins, uh, insurance expert with rates.ca joins me now. Daniel, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Well, um, this all sounds very exciting to know that we pay among the highest rates and we just had a big jump up. Uh, Why? What's going on? Well, you made a really good point to, to start there. Uh, we're seeing the cost of everything go up. Food's going up, uh, cost of labor's going up, and insurance actually in Ontario has, has been a little bit behind. They're just catching up now. Uh, we saw during COVID uh, in a lot of cases uh, some rate decreases, even insurance companies offering rebates back to consumers. But as consumers have gotten back out on the road, uh, they've shown that that they're still claiming uh, as as much as they were before uh, before COVID and, and and even still now. Uh, so what we're seeing is, you know, about eighteen months ago, out in the United Kingdom and Western Europe, they started taking on significant rate increases for insurance. Same thing down in the U.S. a year and a half ago, started taking on rate increases, very heavy rate increases. Uh, and so really, this is this isn't an Ontario problem or even a Canada problem. This is more of a global challenge. You could probably explain what a lot of people I think don't understand, and that is why are we charged what we're charged? I know it's all to do with algorithms and it's all to do with, you know, numbers and stats and everything else. But how would it be determined that Hamilton should be the ninth highest cost for on average for insurance? Well, insurance is a pooling of risk. And so what we're looking at and any insurance companies are looking at in any given area or with any given demographic is uh, the money coming in and, and the money going out. And, you know, especially in the greater Toronto area, Toronto specifically and Brampton and even out towards Hamilton, uh, what we're seeing is obviously higher cost of living, higher labor costs, uh, goods cost more. Uh, with the car parts shortage, car parts cost more and repairs are costing more. And also vehicles are more valuable now than they've ever been with all the little chips and sensors inside the windows and the mirrors. So claims in general are a lot more expensive. And with people getting back to the roads, getting back to commuting after COVID, um, we're, we're starting to see those claims uh, begin to pick up again. I did uh, have my premium for my car go down during COVID. And I'm assuming, excuse me, I'm assuming that's because less cars on the road, less chance for an accident, therefore not driving as much, many people, because they weren't going out as much. So I'm assuming that when you flip that around and you're now driving more people on the road, more cars on the road, more people driving, that also helps to drive the cost up. Yeah, and especially in those cities where where people are commuting a lot, you know, cities like Hamilton, like Brampton, where they're very large cities and spread out a little bit more. You've got a lot of people commuting into the GTA for work, Uh, more commuters and, and more commuters means more claims. And yet I look at this and I think, well, it went down by a tiny, tiny bit. I mean, I got a little bit of something, but not much during COVID. But now, as I say, on average, going up 16%, it seems like we always think with gas prices on long weekends, you know, and when when the price of gas goes down, they're really slow to lower it in just a bit. But as soon as the price of a barrel goes up, they jack it right up as fast as they can. Is that what happens here? 
Uh, no, I'd say it's a little bit different. What this is, is, is insurance companies are trying to keep up with inflation. You know, I had mentioned off the top there that, you know, out in the United Kingdom, Western Europe, and also down in the United States, insurance companies are just catching up. And, and now the same in, in Ontario, and we'll start to see that spread throughout Canada, out to Alberta, same thing, where insurance companies need to catch up what's ha- with what's happening in, in the market. We are now, uh, as I say, ninth in the country, $1,810 on average for a, a estimated 2023 premium. 2021 was uh, 1564 was the average estimated premium. Is there any reason to think that as time goes on, this will not continue to rise? This This always goes up, right? Uh, well, yeah, Inf- inflation always goes up. Uh, cost of labor always goes up. Your general wages go up. And and, and so naturally, insurance would follow suit with the rest of the economy. So, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, uh, we're anticipating still seeing some some more rate increases over the next uh, few months. Uh, it's de- definitely well into 2023. Um, and then beyond that, it, it depends on what happens within the market. Do consumers start claiming less all of a sudden or, or, or something happen to change uh, patterns, habits, and, and overall the payouts for insurance companies so that they and, are able to. And of course, I mean, you're, you're of course right about, you know, things always go up because of inflation and everything else. I guess the question was more, there's a lot of talk in the city right now. We've got an LRT, presumably, that's going to start being built at some point that um, will come. We've got talk about renewing and redoing public transit routes. If people got out of their cars, if there were fewer cars on the road, would we expect premiums to go down or would they still go up because of that inflation? Well, COVID helped us to demonstrate that fewer cars on the road and fewer claims do lead to either decreases or rebates. So if consumer habits changed and a a massive part of the population, say, for example, began commuting, um, most definitely uh, you you would see fluctuations in the insurance industry that would match match those uh, consumer habits. Uh, by the way, for those who uh, are interested, Bur- Burlington, also in our listening area for sure, uh, they were down in 31st, about f- about $300 less than us, $1,586. And Brantford, uh, 28th um, above there. But do, ultimately, and, and I mean, let's bring this right down to the, uh, the brass tax. Ultimately, does the fact that we have higher premiums than a lot of other places really say, bottom line, that we have a lot of crappy drivers? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd put it like that, but what, what I'd probably say, what I'd probably say is that it's an indication that the average claim is 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 a little bit higher, a little bit more expensive, be it the the, the value of cars or the cost of labor or or the severity of the impact. Um, it, it just says to me that the average claim is is higher in Hamilton than than maybe say for example in in Brantford. Uh, we are lucky though we're not in Brampton. Brampton is number one. They're at twenty seven hundred dollars. By the way, the top ten: Brampton, Toronto, Mississauga, Richmond Hill, Vaughan, Pickering, Markham, Oshawa, Hamilton, and right behind us, Schomburg, which I'm not sure I could even identify on a map, but they're paying just as much as, much as we are. So um, something's going on there. Uh, Dan Ivins, insurance expert with Rates.ca. Really appreciate the time today. Thank you for doing this. Of course, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. A mighty wind is also a good way, as it turns out, to describe what has come from yesterday's announcement about the changes to Canada's passport. Uh, if, If you were watching yesterday or if you've seen photos of it or heard about it since, you understand that the government has decided that in order to try to get rid of counterfeiting or forging our passports, they were going to change them. Except instead of just altering the pictures 
or the people in the pictures or the things in the pictures to new versions of them. They've eliminated them. So the Vimy Ridge Monument, gone. The last spike in the Canadian Pacific Railroad, gone. The Stanley Cup, the Grey Cup, gone, gone. All through the list. And also gone, unbelievably, unbelievably, Terry Fox, whose picture was in the old passport, now replaced by a narwhal, apparently. Uh, it's 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 kind of head-shaking to me, to many other people, and also to my next guest. Um, he uh, he put this on Twitter this morning. I'm the mayor of Terry Fox's hometown. Uh, yesterday he put this on Twitter. I'm the mayor of Terry Fox's hometown. Whoever made the decision to remove Terry Fox from Canadian passports needs to give their head a shake. Our country needs more Terry Fox, not less. Uh, he is Mayor Brad West of Port Coquitlam, who joins us now. Mr. Mayor, thank you for the time today. Thank you very much for having me. I got to say, uh, when you put this out on Twitter, you have hundreds of comments, thousands of retweets, 530 plus thousand views of this tweet. Uh, you've obviously hit on something here that a lot of people must also be feeling. Yeah, I think this strikes a nerve with Canadians because of how strongly they feel about Terry Fox. Here in Port Coquitlam, we're so proud to be his hometown. And as mayor, I've had the privilege of speaking to so many people uh, across this country from all different backgrounds, people who are new to our country, people who've been here for generations, uh, and they all connect with Terry. His, his story is inspirational. They identify with it. They take something from it. Uh, one of the things I'm most honoured to do is attend our elementary schools and participate in their Terry Fox runs and you know see these young people who uh, were not even around during the Marathon of Hope but nonetheless learn about Terry learn about his story and want to continue that legacy uh, it's incredibly powerful I think he's a unifying figure across our country like no other and I just cannot understand why the government uh, would remove him from our passport I don't know how much you've been out and about in town over the last day or so, but what's the, re I'm imagining there's a response in Port Coquitlam to this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, people here feel very strongly about Terry Fox and, and uh, he, his name adorns number, a number of things in Port Coquitlam. Our, one of our secondary schools is Terry Fox Secondary School. We have a park named after him. We just recently, two years ago, opened up the Terry Fox Hometown Square, which is uh, a plaza outside of our brand new community recreation center that we built. And we actually have embedded in the ground a map of Canada showing the Marathon of Hope and, and the kind of key moments uh, during the Marathon of Hope. So people in Port Coquitlam feel very strongly about Terry Fox and, you know, and regardless of people's political inclinations, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who are staunch federal liberals, who are staunch conservatives, who go back and forth, who aren't political at all. But the one thing they all agree upon is that uh, Terry Fox is someone who we look to as a really a, a defining Canadian. Uh, and I listened carefully to the explanation that the minister gave yesterday and, and he said well we went and consulted and, and we chose images that really uh, um, exemplify the Canadian spirit and identity and if that's the case man did they ever blow it because nobody does that 
like Terry Fox. I, I, I mean, I was going to ask you that very thing, and you, you beat me to it, and good for you, because that's that quote about what we're trying to find a passport with photos that are the things that make us Canadian or whatever the phrasing was. And, you know, okay, a kid jumping into a pond, I suppose, but mm-hmm. I don't know that if you ask Canadians, if, if a Canadian had a visitor from another country and the other, and the person said, tell me something about Canada that's great. I don't know that, oh, I jumped into a pond when I was a young boy is going to come before, hey, have you ever heard about Terry Fox? I mean, it'll never happen. A hundred percent. I mean, you just nailed it. You know, there's another image where there's a, a an image, one of the new images is a gentleman raking leaves. Okay, well, <laughs> sure, but that could be anywhere. Like, what what is particularly Canadian about that? Although, of course, I've done that many times. Sure, we but all have, that, that, but... That, that, that doesn't define who we are as Canadians. Terry Fox does. I'll tell you, like, I've I've been fortunate enough to... Um, take some trips in my time. And I had the most profound conversation over an hour with a gentleman in the Toronto Pearson Airport. And it started when he saw my passport and I saw his. And he says, oh, you're from here. And he was from Australia. And he says, oh, you're from here. And he, and, he, and we struck up a conversation. What do you do? Oh, I'm a mayor. Oh, that's very cool. Where are you mayor of? I'm a mayor of a city called Port Coquitlam. Never heard of it, he says, <laughs> of course. And I said, well, you know what? It's the hometown of Terry Fox. And he stopped dead in his tracks. And he got, uh, to be honest, he got a bit emotional. And he says, I know who Terry Fox is. I, I, I participated in Terry Fox runs as a young boy in Australia. So halfway around the world. And yeah, yeah. he identified I, with that. It, so it, why would we want to, you know, look, I... You know, maybe it's not the end of the world, and and no, it's not going to erase Terry Fox, and and yes, Canadians are still going to be inspired by him, but it was such an unnecessary move. Like, why do it in the first place? Well, you're right that he's not going to be erased, and he's going to be remembered, and there are still Terry Fox runs and all these things. But you know, at the same time that this was announced, I was thinking it was probably five or six years ago that the federal government and the Canadian Mint launched a search for who are we going to put on our $5 bill. And I know that the overwhelming, as I recall, the overwhelming majority said, make it Terry Fox. And that's not happened. Nothing has happened with that. And now this happens. And it it just, to me, as you say, the good word is unnecessary because I'm with you. I don't think there could possibly be, maybe there's someone out there who finds a fence in the railroad because of colonialism, or maybe someone finds offense at, at the Stanley Cup or, you know, whatever. There cannot be a person out there who is offended by Terry Fox. Well, not anyone we should pay attention to anyways. I well, mean, yeah. You know, nowadays, there's, the, nowadays you probably find someone Fair who's enough. offended by everything, but we shouldn't pay any attention to, to them. Um, you know, um, and you're completely, you're just totally right. Um, you know, Terry, again, is such a, to me, like, he cuts across so many, you know, so many different um, considerations. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, whether, uh, you know, your ethnicity, where you come from, how long you've been in this country, how you identify. I mean, Terry is someone who we can all take something from. Uh, and, and he's also... 
a, a figure that continues to inspire. I'll tell you, like when I go to these elementary schools and I'm there with, you know, little kids who are six and seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, and, and, you know, in our city, we're a diverse city. The, the entire diversity of our country is, is represented in those classrooms. And to a person, those little kids are so excited to learn about Terry, so amazed by what he did. And they share, you know, their own stories of how their families maybe were touched by a cancer. And so, um, you know, it, it just, to me, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it's just... Um, yeah, it's unnecessary. It, you're it's right. It's really a head-scratcher. It, it was unnecessary. And, and, you know, when you're talking about inspiring, and, and to the listeners who are regulars, uh, forgive me for uh, repeating this, because I know, you know, repetition can be boring, but uh, it was just like a week and a half ago, I was actually out there in your town, and we drove by and found the cemetery where he was buried. And mm-hmm. and I actually sent, uh, sent, you, sent the mayor a photo today. Uh, anyway... It was, we're looking at a headstone and we probably stood there for 15 minutes just because you're, the whole thing is just so inspiring. You wrote in your tweet, our country needs more Terry Fox, not less. Okay. I get that they want to change the passport of all the things that you're going to remove. Someone who sacrifices and helps other people and does the hard thing and does it selflessly and becomes a hero and then raises millions to help other people. Like, as you say, it hits every single checkpoint that I think we would want Canadians to be. And it just is the most, it's the most head scratching thing that this would be the thing you would say, no, we're not going to have that anymore. We don't need that there. Yeah. Isn't everything you just described, isn't that what we're about? Should be. Isn't that... Isn't that, you know, I, I'm the father of two young children, uh, a six-year-old and a two-year-old. I mean, those are the type of values I want to instill in my children, you know. And, yeah, I get it. It's just a passport. And people, I've heard some people say, yeah, well, it's just a passport. Yeah, you're right. It's just a passport. But, you know, symbolism is important. That, that, that passport entitles the bearer of it to, to, to certain rights. Um, and, and it's what we use when we travel around the world. And, and it's, you know, it, it seems fitting in many ways that Terry's image would be there. 100%. And it was there. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's where I'm at. Like, it, it was there. And, so, uh, and if yeah, I can jump in, because we got to run here, but if, yeah. you know, I know you're, you're absolutely right that, okay, it's just one thing, it's just a passport. The problem is that, okay, it's just this one thing, and then, you know, the $5 bill didn't happen, and it's just something else, and it's just something... And before long, we removed the symbols of our history, whether it's Terry Fox or all those other things, Vimy Ridge, all those other things that are equally important. And and, and you're right, and symbolism is important. Sure it is. And, and yeah, I don't know... I, Mayor, I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you were alive during the Terry Fox run, um, but the fact is, somewhere along the way, if you were, if you weren't, you learned about this because there were things that taught you this. And if That's we start right. taking those things away, I think it damages us. I, I agree with you completely. Symbolism is important. It's how we we pass we pass stories and traditions and values to our next generation. We have a number of Terry Fox statues in Port Coquitlam, and one of my my six year old son's favorite things to do is he says, Dad, let's, let's go see Terry. Mm. And we go there, and, and, and he gives him a, a high five. Yep. No, that's, that's, you know yeah, what, that's, and, that's terrific. That's, 
That is, uh, that's it's important. It is important. It absolutely is important. Uh, mayor Brad West, the mayor of Port Coquitlam, home of Terry Fox. I uh, really appreciate you taking time today. Thank you for this. Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML right now. Let me go to our good friend who just got off the air at CHCH doing the sports. Bubba O'Neill joins you. Bubba, how are you? I'm, I'm just here with Shelly Marriage. We're having a conversation about this controversy or you know, how much time they spend in the House of Commons arguing over what's on a Canadian passport. You don't think it's... We just, we just did that segment before with the mayor of Port Coquitlam. You, you think we should have the nice little pictures? You know... Scott, I, I don't know. And I'll, I will say this, and, you know, I, I, I've just annoyed part, most of our, our, our listeners and viewers and by saying I could care less about Ryan Reynolds. So I guess I'm anti-Canadian. <laughs> but, you know, like, I couldn't have told you what was on our passport in the first place. Does that make me a bad Canadian? Like, I really couldn't have told you. Well, I, I'm not going to say you're a bad Canadian. No, I, I I know you not to be a bad Canadian. But um, but Ryan Reynolds, you mentioned Ryan Reynolds. All right, so not caring about Russell. The story is for those, and I just saw this just before coming on the show. Ryan Reynolds, who was in the running to p- hopefully purchase uh, the Ottawa Senators or be a part purchaser of the Ottawa Senators, uh, his bid why, apparently. Why, why, why hopefully? Well, for him, he hopefully. No, I, I oh. didn't care. No, I'm saying he oh, had okay. hoped to be uh, yeah, okay. one oh, of the. Sorry. No, no, and and he had hopeful. He had hoped to be a, a buyer of the Ottawa Senators. His bid has now ground to a halt. It's unclear why. I'll tell you that the the one thing that I'm sure the NHL got dazzled by. Have you watched the series that he did called Welcome to Wrexham? I, I know about the story. So, I, I know exactly what yeah. happened. Yeah. So, the, he, well, what is it? A fifth division. Yeah. Soccer. So, for those who don't know, and let me just give the background here. For those who don't know, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhaney, who was in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, another actor, went together and bought a fifth division soccer club in Wales. That came, it was in this little hard done by town. And they poured money into it and they rebuilt it and it was to try and bring it back. And they made a series about this, a reality series. And Bubba, I am sure, because I watched it, and I'll tell you, it was it was a lot of fun. The, the series was a lot of fun. It was well done. It was very entertaining. I think there's a second season coming up. I am sure the NHL people watched this and thought, oh, we're dazzled by having This Is Ottawa as the new series. The problem is you're talking about a fifth division team that nobody has ever heard of outside of the town of Wrexham compared to an NHL club that people should know if they're a fan. Like, I was telling Taz Boga, like, like you're talking about a team, this is like the equivalent of like a high school team. Mm-hmm. This is like 1,500 people come to a game. It's fifth division football. Like, like, this, is, like this, is not a, this is not the National Hockey League. This is not some kind of joke. What does Ryan Reynolds know? He's got some financial backing, but the key, you know, I don't know. Well, they—I'm sure the NHL saw this, saw him, and said, "Okay, we can have all kinds of exposure by some kind of reality series." But you're right; the a much better example 
would not be the Ottawa Senators because they are a major league franchise. It would be a the, the 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 closer equivalent would be if Ryan Reynolds was buying the Hamilton Cardinals baseball team and trying to get them up to Triple A level baseball in a system where you can jump up a league if you win. That would be so. That's the thing. Ottawa is Ottawa is not to Boogaloo middle of nowhere. It's it's a big city. It's it's a major league franchise. It almost to me when they proposed this or when this thought was there, it almost made it seem like well Ottawa's so backwards and so backwater that we need to have something like this to bring attention to it. I know, like and and this whole mindset that oh the senators will become the 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 sweethearts of the league. like as if I'm sorry like after game one of him showing up and um. On you know, if you were to go purchase the team and was successful with the purchase of the team, other than game number one, the season opener, whatever year that would have been, like, do you really think that it would influence people to go to a game? I say no. What influences people wanting to go to a game is if they can afford it or not. That's a yep for sure, and that's a big difference because the because Wrexham it was not expensive, and. You did not have celebrities coming to Wrexham ever. You do have celebrities that go to NHL games. Um, and the other big thing is, do you think, all right, so if you've ever, for the people who haven't watched it, this the Welcome to Wrexham series, they had more better behind-the-scenes access for the, for the show than you would ever in a million billion years get for the NHL. I mean, I, I've seen those HBO things before the outdoor game, and those are pretty good. But this was at a different level, and there is no chance in my mind that the NHL would allow the stuff that made this so intriguing because it was absolutely unfettered access. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Like, I just, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I, I never got it. I, I'm sorry. And and okay, maybe I'm a bit of a homer here. I'm I'm all for. I don't know the weekend. I don't know where he's getting that kind of money from. I know he's, you know, been a, one of the hottest recording artists over the last couple of years. He, to me, probably has more connections and has been around longer and probably has a, a bigger brand than 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 the weekend. But I, I'm I'm all for I'm all for our hometown guy right here, right? Michael Landlauer, Yep. Uh, put in all kinds of who, who knows what it takes to run a, a, a franchise. Who knows how to put together a franchise? Who knows who to turn to in the National Hockey League? Has a development, has a relationship with Gary Bettman, the commissioner. I'm all, I'm all for him, right? So I don't know. People want to hate me for hating Ryan Reynolds and, and like being. I, I, you know what? Like I said, like I said in the news today. Yeah, you can keep Ryan Reynolds to the entertainment section and the news section. I don't want to talk about him in sport. I'm done. Well, the other guy that's in the mix for this is uh, is Snoop Dogg, and all I could keep thinking is if Snoop Dogg buys the team, the Senators are going to be the slowest, most chill squad in the NHL. <laughs> They're going to have pot smoke pumped into the dressing room before the game to, to allow them to relax. Uh, they won't win a lot of games, but they'll be just fine. Well, maybe they'll be they'll be probably pretty fashionable because they'll probably <laughs> connect with uh, what's her name. Uh, <laughs> I forgot uh, flipping the uh, lifestyle fashion. Well, designer. Uh, I like I don't cook that he did the cooking show with. Oh, okay. I yeah. I I, I oh, you mean um um, I know who you mean now, and I'm drawing a blank. No, on. I mean, 
You know who I mean. I know who you mean. I'll think of her in a second. Someone else out there knows who you mean. The one who went to prison. Um, yeah. So uh, the NHL is is not just in the news because of this story, which we'll, we'll also, by the way, we'll see if all the other celebrities, I kind of expect that we're going to see a story where by the time this deal is finally done, all those other celebrities have sort of fallen by the wayside and it was just a momentary thing, but we'll see. But the NHL is also... Martha Stewart, by the way. Martha Stewart, thank you. I was thinking Mary for some reason. I couldn't wrap my head. Um, the NHL is in a really interesting spot right now. They've got great playoff series going, really intriguing playoff series going. That's, that's to the good. To the bad is that it seems every night at the end of whatever game is being played, almost all the discussion is about whether or not the refs missed the call or whether or not somebody should be suspended for something that happened on the ice. Is this, I believe this is the result of the Department of Player Safety or the Discipline Department being so inconsistent that nobody now can have any idea and so it just becomes the discussion point of will this won't this i don't know if you had consistency i think you get rid of a lot of this discussion but what do you think about this uh it's tough scott because i think regular the difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey have are two completely different games they really are absolutely um and 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 i think because of this it, we we run into this situation um and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I love the playoff hockey. I've loved it. This is this is one of the better playoff years. It is first and second round. The games have been unbelievable, unpredictable. One team beats you six two, and then you lose six six two. It, it's crazy what's been going on with the, many of these series. But you're correct. It's just been just so much. the physicality steps up, and I think the referees. And I don't know if they've been instructed by you know uh, by ownership by you know, the Department of Player Safety. They, they, they don't, and I, I agree with this philosophy as an official for any sport. You don't want to be a deciding factor. And really, calls got to be sometimes pretty egregious for the referees, on the, the two on the ice, to blow a whistle. And with that, you get some, what I would call, um, Basically, the players ruling themselves. Basically, um, yeah. I, I look. I, I agree. This is well regular season in the NHL. The NHL has made it so that I, I think they don't want a lot of hitting and a lot of violence and a lot of Don Cherry style rock'em sock'em hockey in the regular season. They just don't. Right. And so then you get to the playoffs and everybody ratchets it up about twelve notches. And what do we see? It's so interesting. Now that hockey is being played in the playoffs, like it used to be played all the time, everyone's like, wow, this is amazing. And it is. But you've, you've, as you've said, the problem is you've sort of set a bar for what is allowed, what isn't allowed. And then in the playoffs, that bar seems to just disappear. Nobody has any idea. I, should, I mean, Darnell Nurse has been suspended for a game for what he did yesterday, which was to start a fight late in the game and get an instigator penalty. So he gets Mm -hmm. a game. Is that warranted? Well, compared to a bunch of the stuff that I've seen people do, that's a hundred times more egregious that they got no penalty for, maybe not even a two-minute penalty, let alone a suspension. I think if you're a player on the ice, you have no idea right now what is going to be allowed, what isn't going to be allowed, what might cost your team, what might not cost your team. I don't think they know. 
I think on the macro, I totally agree with you. I think in the minor there, I think for the Edmonton Oilers situation, look, I mean, Nurse knew exactly what he was doing. Like, he knew he was going to get suspended. We'll say if you get an instigator penalty, which he came from one side of the ice to win after uh, Nicholas Haig, I believe. And and they had a whale of a fight, right? But it, it, NHL rules state if you get an instigator penalty and final five minutes of regulation, you're gone for a game. That's automatic. The, the thing what was people were saying, would they just let it slip, right? But they didn't, because it's a rule. You could not let that slip. But, I mean, he did that to defend his, and, and this is where the honor part of hockey comes in, he did this to defend his star player who received, I mean, come on, like, and I got a lot of time for Alex Petrangelo as a defenseman in the National Hockey League. He is spectacular. One of, one of the best in the National Hockey League. I mean, Team Canada quality. But he pulled off a, what, a 180-degree downward slash on Dreisaitl. I, I can't ever remember at the National Hockey League level someone raising that, their stick that high and someone getting chopped. Yeah. It is very fortunate that he only hit his, I think, it, that he didn't break a bone or, 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 you know, or really hit him in the head with, it, with, with the stick the way he, And remember... You know, on on skates, Alex is probably seven feet tall. Yeah, no, no, and 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 to go back to the point though with Darnell Nurse, so I agree with you one hundred percent about Pietrangelo. Where you look at that and you go, how is that not a suspension? We don't know if it will be yet. It hasn't been announced. I think though, if you're Darnell Nurse, if we were to ask Darnell Nurse, who's a Hamilton guy by the way, good guy, if you were to ask him, did you think he may have known the rule? He probably did know the rule about an instigator penalty in the last five minutes that gets a game misconduct or gets a suspension. Do you think that Darnell Nurse truly, with everything that they had let go in that game, vicious cross-checks and hits from behind, did he, do you believe that for a second he believed that they would give him an instigator penalty? I would bet you that he believed wholeheartedly he would get five for fighting and maybe a game or maybe ten, but they wouldn't give him two minutes for instigating at that point. And then it, that's the suspension. This is the part, as I say, that uh, he knew he was getting a penalty. I just right. don't think that he would have figured in that game, in that environment, with the stuff that was allowed, that he was going to get that ticky-tack call. You, you're, you're probably right. I mean, I, again, I, I think, yeah, there's no way he didn't know he was going to get penalized. I just think that most of these guys generally are pretty educated on the rules, and, you know, and I think he just did it as a good teammate. Uh, you know, apparently, from what I'm told, those two are good friends as well, too, off the ice. Um, and... This, you know, for anyone, I'm telling you, folks, this series, and I know we love the Leafs and, you know, the local team here, but this series between Vegas and Edmonton has been something else. Um, a lot of these series in the West actually have, really have been um, just wild hockey. Just, you know, um, even the, hey, even the, the end of the Leafs game mm-hmm. last night, where'd that come from? Well, I think there's a lot of, I mean, obviously frustration builds up and stuff like that. I just, I got to tell you, I, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at the refs because I think that in every sport now, Baba, I believe baseball, football, basketball, hockey, all these professional sports have become too fast, too impossible to officiate properly. It's, you can't, you can't win. With 4K TV and everyone slowing it down to frame by frame, you're never going to satisfy people with your calls. You just never are. Because, I'm sorry, just starting to interrupt, but like if, if they do call the game, a playoff game like they do a regular season game, you and I right now are having a discussion about referees ruling, ruining 
slow in in hockey. Yeah. No, no. I, I I'm I'm not. I would. Some people are going to disagree. I would much rather have the refs put the whistle away than call everything. I honestly would. However, however, there have been things that have happened in this postseason that I think have crossed a line, but it's the off-ice, the decision-makers, George Peros, the head of player safety, which, again, I think is the most ludicrous job title because it, it doesn't happen this way. I don't think players know what to expect, and therefore you must police yourself and your teammates because you don't know the league is going to look out for you. What would you, I mean, as we wait on the decision, what do you think Alex Pietrangelo should get for that slash? What should he get or what will he get? No, what do you think? I, I think he will get a game because they will balance off the Darnell Nurse thing and it'll be considered a wash. I think he'll get one game. If that's in the regular season, probably four if it's in the playoffs, which would mean probably two. And then the real trouble that I have with all the discipline that NHL hands out often is they always seem to factor in whether there's an injury or not. And Alex Petrangelo, as you said yesterday, was it's fortunate that he didn't break a bone in Dreisaitl's arm. So the exact same thing, if Alex Petrangelo does the exact same thing, I mean exactly, to the millimeter the same, and there's a broken bone, is the penalty more harsh? Yes. But is what he did any different? No. So you should be penalizing the act and the action, not the end result of this thing. So honestly, what he should get is probably three or four games, but I'm telling you, he probably won't get more than one. Well, let, let me let me throw in one more caveat for you there. Yeah. The way you set that up, right? Let let let's also remember that Leon Dreisaitl is a star in the National Hockey League. That's also a that fact. What what if that was Zach Hyman that he who got hit? Well, Austin Austin Reese on the Leafs, your fourth line winger. Uh, it probably doesn't. It certainly wouldn't matter as much. I mean, look if if. If Dreisaitl had a broken bone and was going to miss the rest of the playoffs, again, uh, I, I 100% believe the NHL would come down harder on Petrangelo for doing that. I don't think, though, that that should be the deciding factor. It should be, what did you do? Right. But you know what? It's, it's um, We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's they, they can't not. Balance, What's it's, that? It's a hard thing to balance, right? Because people don't come to see, go to the rink to see Kyler Yamamoto, but they do come to see Leon Dreisaitl. So I think, I, I think there should be a, heavily, a heavier penalty on, on, on you know, a, someone that injures a star player. Yeah, but if it, what if it's a star player that injures? I mean, Alex Ovechkin back in the day, Chris Pronger back in the day, right. got away with all kinds of stuff that the average player wouldn't because they were a star handing out the punishment. So what if it's right. Petrangelo is the captain of the Knights, what if the captain takes out the assistant captain? It's a star on a star. Then what do you do? I mean, again, to me, it should always be what was the act, not what's the result. Not to, Because here's the thing. Alex Petrangelo, by the NHL's way of doing things where injuries lead to more suspensions, he is very, very lucky that he didn't break a bone more than anything. But his luck should not impact on his penalty. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, um, 
All right. Uh, we've got a couple, just a minute or so left here, and I wanted to spend more time on this, but we're not going to be able to. But I did want to mention this. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Hamilton guy, first-team NBA All-Star, it was announced this week. Only the second Canadian ever to do that. Only the second Canadian ever to get MVP votes. Where, do, Who in Hamilton sports in the last, I don't know, 25 years would you put at a place higher than Shea Gilgis-Alexander right now? Well, it's really hard. I, I, I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone right now. Like the, the upward curve of him right now, and remember, he's 24 years old, Scott. Like he, First of all, he's going to be on ground in his league for probably another dozen years. And within that dozen years, I truly believe we're just seeing the peaking of him right now. And you're right, fifth in the MVP voting. First, I mean, again, first team all-star. Folks, if you don't know what that is, that's one of five. Like, if you're dressing an all-star team, he was selected to the the one of five players, starting players. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and then second in the most improved, the where he can go. And remember, too, he's playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, he wouldn't like me saying this pretty too much, but... It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, here's the thing. I don't know that. I don't know that Shea is, and I don't know him well. I've talked to him a number of times. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend that I know him, um, but I don't. I don't get the sense he's he's very much a fashion maven now, a fashion icon. He's very big in the fashion world. I don't know that he's the guy that goes to L.A. as a free agent because he wants to get into acting or something like that. I I I, I don't see that. I I but. Here's the thing. He is not going to need to, and I'll tell you why. He is in. He this was his first year. He, this was the first year of a five-year contract that paid him, I think, 173 million U.S. with a with an asterisk that if he made first, second, or third team All-Star, which he did, it bumped up to I think 205 million dollars U.S. That's almost. I think that's last year's supermax money. So. <laughs> So, and he'll be done this contract when he's 28 or 29. This guy's going to have made, but unless there's some horrible injury, which we don't want to think about, he'll probably make half a billion dollars in his career. Well, and, and, and I, who's fooling who? Not this year, because uh, it's one, two, three. So not this, the end of this season, at the end of the next season, there will be a renegotiation of that contract. Yeah, he will, is. Uh, that, that, that will not last the term. That will be that will be renegotiated. He will opt out of that deal. There will be offers coming from everywhere, including the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, folks. And who you know, we talk about star, and I don't know, like he'll be a star of the country at at this time of his career. As you said, the only thing that I think that is stopping him that could stop him, sorry. Is injury, yeah. and let's knock on wood for that. Injury, so. or, or you know, the other thing, and I don't think I don't, we got to run. I don't see this from him, but the other thing, when you are young and you make enormous amounts of money, you can become interested in other things. That's the only other thing that possibly, you know, decide you don't want to play till you're 35 or 38, like LeBron. That I'm, you know, I'll play till I'm 32 and take my money, and I've I got other things I want to do with my life. Uh, but the, even there, that's another eight years. So, yeah, you know, I, I like, I like, I mean, he said that, I think in, in uh, that McNabb did many years ago, I want to be the best basketball player in the world. Well, he's and getting close. I think he's 
I think he's driven by that. Yeah, he's getting very, very close. He's getting, uh, I'd like to see a one-on-one, a game of one-on-one between him and Steve Nash in his prime, see who the best Canadian ever was. He would make the best pass, but SG would make the best bucket. And he would look the most fashionable. No doubt. Bubba O'Neill, appreciate it. Thanks as always. Uh, Thanks for having me. Great discussion. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.